the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 21st. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bats. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchen to Bats have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchen to Bats can design your new kitchen or bath. Check them out at MountaineerKitchenToBats.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. What's going on? Oh, it's a Tuesday. It is a Tuesday. It's a big uh, Tuesday in the NFL. Is it is franchise tag day, so we'll uh, we'll have to see how what happens to a lot of all three of our favorite teams have a lot of people going on with franchise tag day. Lamar, DJ, Saquon, Josh Jacobs. It's a it's a big day, I think, for all three of us, all three of our franchises. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, where and who goes what, and if there's going to be anything that for, really formulates out of today. And yesterday was just a crazy day. Mountaineers got a great win. I snapped my glasses in half. Could not <laughs> sleep last night. Just amped, I guess, knowing it's going to be amped. an exciting Tuesday. Yeah, amped on sectional girls basketball, which is going to be on WEPM tonight. Then we got Jefferson and Musselman uh, coming to the airwaves again. Sectional girls basketball. Can you believe that we're already uh, into the well, end of the season at this point? But what are we to expect out of this one uh, on paper? It's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, I think so. This is going to be a game at Jefferson. It'll start, I believe, right at 7 o'clock tonight. So you want to tune in uh, because the postseason has different parameters. Two teams that want to have a chance to leap each other into the postseason and get further into the section. You know, the West Virginia playoff schedule is a little bit tricky. I'll try to explain it more throughout the broadcast tonight for people that don't really know. The easiest way of looking at this, though, uh, is tonight's game is win or go home. Uh, and then you advance, and then things get a little bit tricky. Jefferson beat Musselman the first time they played in a home game. They won by seven, and then they lost on the road in Idwood. Uh, pretty handedly by 13, make it 14 points. So it should be a wide-open game uh, between two teams that want to advance to take on Washington. And then the winner of that game, I think, in the sectional final. Now they would go on excuse me, to the regional final, but I think um, uh, the winner of that game is going to be the second team that goes down to Charleston uh, opposite Spring Mill. So that's kind of what's at stake tonight to get the ball rolling. I think Washington's the favorite of this section to be the other team to get out, but Jefferson or Musselman both have a a pretty good resume and a potential to get down to Charleston as well. Um, so you start the road to the postseason tonight. The sectional finals will be on Thursday, the regional finals next Wednesday, and then the girls' state tournament the week after that. So how important do you think it is, and her name is uh, escaped me, the tall girl for Jefferson? Yeah, she plays. Um, I'll have her name for you here momentarily. Uh, but how important is she for a run into the postseason for Jefferson? Olivia Hendricks, a, a really interesting player for Jefferson. I, I think that their offense isn't built around her, mm-hmm. but you watch the way they play. Jasmine Taylor's a really good player on the perimeter for them. 
Uh, you know, we've talked about some of the other different players for them, Brezovic on the perimeter and things like that, that they don't necessarily construct their entire offense around getting her the ball, but at times they kind of go to her as a safety valve uh, on those entry passes, kind of turning and chucking it like throwing it up to like a Rob Gronkowski or a Megatron uh, because they think that that's the girl that can bail them out. So they lean on her even though they don't 100% rely on her, uh, which is a little bit different from Musselman in the times we've seen them this year. They're a little bit more of a balanced team and have depth really throughout the entirety of their starting squad. Mm. Uh, so she's a player that could certainly take over. She's been difficult to defend. When Spring Mills played Jefferson, uh, she gave them fits early on, or she gave them fits in the second half and almost helped Jefferson come back. Uh, so she absolutely, you could say, is one of the most key players to watch here in the postseason. So overall, looking at this matchup, I think really what Mosselman has to do if they want to pull this off, they're 5-11 and coming into this game and Jefferson 8-11. and What they got to do, I think they got to pull the Cougars defense out a little bit because if they're trying to go inside of the paint, of course, you're going to have Olivia in the middle. It's going to be tough to get anything off when you got a 6-4 girl in the middle of that defense. It's going to be tough to get anything going. I think if you could spread out the defense, use kind of like what some teams used. A good example would be kind of what Rudy, Rudy Gobert was for the Utah Jazz in those years. They tried to pull him out of the center of the basket, and it kind of just exposed it. It was like four on five. It could be that type of situation where you want to try and get stuff going around the long mid-range, possibly beyond the arc. If you're able to do that, the Alpman could pull off the win here. But if you let that defense of Jefferson play in, you try too much to go inside, and the rebounding advantage you would think would go to Jefferson automatically with that. You can see the Cougars pulling that one off. Looking at it on paper, I, I would favor the Cougars. I'd, if I put a line on it, I'd say probably – like four and a half is probably what I would say on it in a little bit of that favor. But, I mean, Jefferson, they've ha- they've shown flashes, and I really love out of the girls' side of the EPAC. It's really a wide-open race outside of Spring Mills right now. I think that's the coolest thing about it. You could see an upset here. You could see an upset here. A couple teams different. We've said, okay, we think Washington's probably that number two team out of the EPAC right now. Jefferson could win this game and go on a run. Mosselman could win this game and go on a run. You never know. Outside of Spring Mills, it is really a humongous question mark, and that's what's really cool. And that other section's going to go on tonight as well, that semifinal between Martinsburg and Hedgesville. I think Martinsburg's going to be the favorite in that game, but Hedgesville's got a couple silver bullets left in their disposal too as well, I think. It's going to be uh, exciting to see when the dust settles tomorrow, the result of that game too, because you know Coach Faircloth's a tough guy to scheme against, and I think that they showed flashes of confidence towards the back end of the season uh, and could certainly make things really interesting in the first round, too. Well, that game will be on the air tonight at 7 o'clock. Jefferson, well, not that one. Jefferson and Musselman will be on the game or on the air here at 7 o'clock. Uh, speaking of Spring Mills, still sitting at number three in the final rankings that came out, which is crazy to me. I mean, being the only undefeated team in the state in girls basketball, I think in all basketball, being the only undefeated team in the state. Uh, and the way that they've beaten teams, I think it's pretty wild that they're still not I don't know at least number two if not number one yeah 100 percent. you know the team with the best record in AAA is the first place team the team with the best record in double uh, a is in second place and the team with the best record in single a is in second place as well so you'd have to think that the only undefeated team in girls hoops would be that first place team and they did receive a first place vote which they received last week as well. Uh, but they're not only third, they're a distant third. And the 90 voters uh, in the, I'm sorry, the nine voters in the Associated Press poll for high school girls hoops, uh, Wheeling Park, who's number one and received the other eight first place votes, uh, has 89 points, followed by Morgantown with 80, followed by Spring Mills with 71. 
Uh, so it's a long ways away from those two teams. And it's because I guess they're in the same section uh, because they've both played out of state competition and in-state competition that you would argue would be tougher than Spring Mills. But Spring Mills, with the schedule that they've had, you know, you look at the 18 games that they played in the regular season, you ask yourself, what needs to be done for this team to prove that they're good despite not having this toughest strength of schedule? They've answered all their questions. They've won every game by double figures or more. They've handled their conference, which is a down year for the conference, but they showed, you know, without beyond reasonable doubt that they were the best team. They almost scored 100 points in a the game. They've held opponents to single digits. They've got four different girls in double figures. Their resume is fantastic. And you're right, I think it garners, uh, it should garner uh, a little bit more support. Now, those rankings don't matter much. Uh, the coaches will seek or seed, I should say, the 16 teams going into regional week, 1 through 16, and then they rank the top eight teams that make it out of that or how they rank the teams down in Charleston. So those are the polls that matter, although I would assume that the coaches' opinions are going to align pretty closely to the Associated Presses anyways. And on the girls' side of things, I was able to catch a really cool breakdown from uh, our colleague Metro News' Joe Bricado. He had a breakdown coming into the quad A matchups and stuff like that. So some of the teams they highlighted, the top five of the final quad A poll, it's Wheeling Park at one, receiving eight first place votes. Morgantown at two. Spring Mills comes in at third, as we mentioned. Cabell Midland at four, and then you got Spring Valley at five. Kind of, I think the consensus going around the rest of the state right now is that Spring Mills hasn't played anybody. I think that's what a lot of people think, and it's just a case of people haven't seen a lot of Spring Mills on the girls' side. I mean, they were undefeated. They've handled what they've needed to do, but you see teams that are battling against each other. Calvin Midland's got a lot of momentum right now because they've got to win against Wheeling Park. There's a lot of things going different ways, and people are thinking, okay, it could be Wheeling Park and Morgantown, Wheeling Park and Calvin Midland possibly, Spring Valley, another team that could be thrown in there. People aren't talking enough about the Spring Mills team because I think they have written them off because they haven't played anybody, and when they get to that stage, it could it could cause problems, which I don't think that's the case, and I just it, it's a case, I think, of maybe a little underexposure for Spring Mills because, again, they haven't played the highest level of competition. But you look at that roster, and you can't deny it's talented. It is extremely talented, and I think they're going to shock some people come, the, come tournament time. Well, I guess we'll have to see how they do stack up against the rest of the state. Maybe those rankings are correct, and we're just a little uh, you know, biased because we see them all the time and get to see how good they are. But maybe you're right. Maybe they are getting um, slanted because of the strength of schedule. Who knows? But we'll see what kind of run they make uh, into the playoffs, as it's crazy to think that is starting uh, right now with sectional play on WPM tonight. Jefferson and Mouseman girls basketball. We'll step aside briefly. We'll come back. We'll start transitioning into the college game. Shepard uh, football released their spring schedule. West Virginia basketball is in action. Um, we got Shepard lacrosse going on, Shepard baseball going on, all kinds of things. We'll get to that after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And of course, we're never too far away from football season. And, uh, well, football teams are never too far away from reminding you about football season being around the corner. Shepard released their 2023 spring schedule, Tuesday, Thursday practices, uh, nice and early in the morning. And then their spring games are going to be April 8th or uh, um, April 15th rather, at 3.30 p.m. for uh, Shepard football. So Team 94, 
Getting ready to get back in action. Looks like they've reloaded a little bit. They've certainly signed enough people to fill a JV team as well as a uh, full team, uh, full first team. But what are we thinking? We uh, feeling confident going into this season with the Rams? Yeah, I think so. I think the question is going to be, you know, everyone's going to be interested in who's going to be playing quarterback. So how much time are each of the guys in this incredibly crowded back room or uh, uh, quarterback room going to get? You know, is it going to be Seth Morgan and Christian Etchinson dominating snaps because that's where the competition lies? Or is it going to be more of a wide open competition in the, the, the six or seven different guys that could take equal snaps? Now, you also have to wonder who's going to be carrying the football in this game because we expect Blake Hartman to come back and be a really good player for this team, but can he be a bell cow or are they going to have to go a different direction? Who's going to be catching the ball? Who's the right tackle? A lot of questions that aren't necessarily going to be answered in this spring game. What what are special teams going to look like? They're not going to be answered in this game, but they'll get you going in the right direction. You know, I think we caught the vibe when we saw this team play and scrimmage in the fall, how athletic the defense was going to be. I don't think we realized how deep or good and deep the defense were, was going to be. Players like Batten stepping up, Grantham and things like that. But we caught on to that really early. We also caught on really early how much Shepard was more trying to use Ronnie Brown like a receiver and a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, so these are all the kind of different things that uh, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on when the game comes around. And I think a big thing, too, coming into the spring game is going to be how that new-look defensive line is going to be for the Rams. All four starters on the defensive line from last season are gone. Kyle Smith, Malik Calloway, Journey Dunbar, and Solomon Alexander. All four of those guys are gone. And a new defensive line coach. Yeah. And, oh, a well. new, and, yeah. and a new D-line coach, too. So you throw all that into the, into the equation, what's that going to look like? Is there going to be new fronts for this team? Is it going to be Isaiah Farmer leading the charge? He's going to be a rising junior. Who's going to be the guy that's going to step up and get to the quarterback for this defense? Because you look at the other levels, you got Dwayne Grantham coming back. He's going to lead that middle unit. And then you've got two really good corners on the outside and Clayton Batten and Dante Harrison. And you've got a deep room as well in the defensive backfield. Who's going to be getting to the quarterback? And I think who's going to be playing the quarterback position are going to be the two big questions we're going to have to try and find out during the spring schedule for the Rams. It's uh, going to be a lot of the same stuff from the Rams, but certainly going to be a different look team over there at Shepherdstown. So we'll see. And I'll and definitely curious. I mean, I think as everybody is with the quarterback rooms, like you said, there's about what six quarterbacks in that room right now. They could probably be playing at six different schools and more than likely starting at six different schools uh, as well. Shepherd baseball uh, back in action on Friday as they start a three game series on the road at UNC Pembroke. Tough start to the year for Shepherd baseball. One and three losses to Coker and Newberry twice, uh, beating. Coker once 18 to one, which I always love. College baseball scores are so funny. It's either a two score game or somebody gets absolutely blown out. Like uh, five seven, they lose their first game, then they lose eighteen or they win eighteen to one, then they lose fourteen to six. So uh, we'll see if the Rams can't uh, start to turn things around again. The college baseball season is so long, so they have so much time uh, to turn things around. But it does seem like they got to figure out how to, A, score some runs consistently, and then, uh, B, find a little bit more consistent pitching. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's some similarities between the Shepard baseball team and what's going to happen with the Mountaineers this year. Trevor Sharp, uh, we already kind of highlighted, is going to be this team's ace. And it looked like he had good stuff early, just kind of ran out of gas, trying to get stretched back into a starter. It reminds me a lot of what the Mountaineers are trying to do with Ben Hampton this year. They don't have similar stuff, but they're both both kind of that ace type pitcher where you look at the outlook of the season uh you know really good college baseball teams it's an obvious thing to say but if they win on friday it makes things much easier for the rest of the series as opposed to starting in the hole so shepherd's going to have to uh with the newfound arm of sharp uh win probably 
at least more than half of probably 60 to 65 percent of their Friday games. The Mountaineers will have to do the same because the back of this rotation isn't as sturdy as the front. Uh, and the top of this lineup isn't as sturdy as the bottom. So if you put yourself in positions to succeed early on, it's going to make series a lot different. Uh, so if they're able to claim Friday starts, that's going to be key. They were the better team against Coker until they blew the lead late, uh, just some un- unfortunately from the bullpen. So if they're able to get a win against UNC Pembroke and kind of set the trend of getting off on the winning ways in series, I, I think this is going to be a very successful season. And it's going to be a tough challenge taking on UNC Pembroke. The Braves are 9-0. and already this season and here's some of their score totals 18 nothing to open the season against St. Aslam and to make sure this is not a football score guys they beat UVA wise at UVA wise on the 10th 33 to 3 in insane score there but you can pose the question have they really played anybody to the level of Shepard you look at it their closest series was against Belmont Abbey they swept that one 9 to 8 12 nothing and then 9 to 6 in those they were going to have a series against IUP, but that one ended up getting canceled. Going down to Sammy Coxfield down in Pembroke is going to be tough. But I think the Rams, if they can piece some things together, they can even get a split of the series. I think it would be good against UMC Pembroke. They're one of the better baseball teams in the region. Of course, basketball still going on. we got Shepherd basketball here on the air on Wednesday. Last home game of the year, Shippensburg coming to town. Of course, it's your regional rival, but Shippensburg girls and men's and boys basketball really, really good this year, specifically on the girls' side. They have, um, and why do I keep forgetting her name? <laughs> Ariel Jones. Thank you, Ariel Jones. Uh, she is one of the best scorers in the country. And then the, the uh, Shippensburg men's team, one of the best teams in the PSAC. And uh, with it being the last home game, it sounds like we're getting the three – the three-man crew back together for it, huh? Sound, sounds like it's a reunion from nice. where we're talking. That would be a fun one at the Butcher Center, so uh, we'll talk about that t- a little bit more tomorrow. And then today, uh, Shepherd Women's Lacrosse have their first home game with Westchester, number three in the nation, Westchester, coming to town. Uh, that'll be a tough one for the Rams, but they are 1-0, or 16-11 win over Barton to get things started over the weekend. Now, coming up here after the break, uh, we're going to be speaking with Jefferson head basketball coach Richard Lewis. Of course, they're going to be heading into sectional play, and it's interesting because this uh, EPAC boys, you know, section is so tough that I think anybody could end up coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm interested to kind of get his thoughts because it seems as though the mark to change to be the team to be beaten to be the best has changed throughout the year. It opened the season as Jefferson, then it was Spring Mills there for a little while, then it was Hedgesville for a while. They beat Jefferson, then those two teams take huge steps back, then all of a sudden Musselman's come out of nowhere. And then it's kind of funny every time you bring up, well, Martinsburg's a little bit down this year. Every single coach will correct you and say Martinsburg doesn't have yeah, it down. You never know? count them out. And then, of course, you've got Washington with a very talented freshman. So I, I know that he was pl- talking about the goal of this year being to win the EPAC. That's something they were able to do. But with the core of this unit, you've got a senior in Shively that you want to send out in winning ways. Moses Talley as well, Isaiah Fritz. Um, it would be a real shame for this team to come up a game short or two games short of making it to Charleston. So the work's not done. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, Shepherd football real quick, shout out to uh, former Shepherd Ram, Dewan Neal, leading the XFL in tackles with eight right now. So shout out DC Defenders defense playing pretty good the other day. We'll see. Uh, what happened, especially when they come up against the old uh, St. Louis Battlehawks? They're oh, tied yeah. in the uh, yeah, they're tied in the North. Look at the, the Vipers two, this weekend. Yeah, the only two undefeated. They teams. made St. Louis play the first three games of the season on the road. What's up? Oh with that? my god, who cares? Fixed who cares? the <laughs> XFL. Everybody just wants to watch a uh, defenders game for the beer snake anyway. So who cares? <laughs> but uh, we'll be speaking. <clears throat> Excuse me, with the Jefferson head coach Richard Lewis after the break here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. 
Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the line is Jefferson High School head boys basketball coach, Richard Lewis. Coach, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing today? I'm doing all right. Appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning. And goodness, y'all put together a pretty good season down there in Shenandoah Junction this year. Yeah, we've had... Um kind of a up and down season i guess early on um i guess the schedule we played was a little little, little tougher than than normal but i think overall uh, we're coming together at the right time of the year and um, i think the, the tough schedule paid dividends down the stretch well talk about that a little bit how important it is to be peaking at the right times we talk about that a lot uh with different sports that you know it doesn't necessarily for a playoff run it doesn't matter for the necessarily what happened at the beginning of the season, but if you can peak there at the right time at the end, that can make all the difference. And like you said, it sounds like your team's doing so. Yeah, we put a pretty good game together on Friday. Um, I thought we uh, played really well. Uh, we had a little rough um, middle, middle beginning of the month down in Charleston. But I think since we got back from Charleston, we kind of got re-energized and kind of put some string wins together. Well, Coach, the, the Charleston games is exactly what I wanted to ask you about because you look at the other teams in the EPAC and it seems as though they've kind of had moments this year when they've faltered, dropped a couple of games in a row, and it's nearly derailed their season. You guys go down to Charleston to play two really tough teams, and I know you just didn't shoot the ball well, but uh, what was the difference then from not letting that kind of uh, snowball and you turn around and rattle off four wins in a row? Well, I can barely hear you a little bit. Um but overall, I think, um, you know, it's a tough trip um, for high schoolers. Um, one of the things we wanted to get out of them was the experience. Um, so the experience is more so um, than the basketball part of it was good for them to kind of go down there outside of going to the state tournament and getting into a different environment. Um, seeing that um, environment before we get to Charleston was kind of the main goal. Um, and then we got we got we got to see the state capital and some other things outside of basketball, which was a good experience for the kids. But the basketball part, um, like I say, you don't know about shooting. Sometimes you don't shoot the ball well, um, and it can kind of cause other areas of your game to go to go down. So, like I said, overall it's a tough trip just for any high schoolers to go that far away and play back to back nights um, in two days. So it takes take what it's worth. Come back to the Eastern Panhandle, uh, and then our goal is to take care of business here and then hopefully make it back down there. Well, Coach, uh, looking at the, your rotations in your roster from the beginning of the season until now, I think that uh, you guys have certainly grown in depth overall. You know, Fritz was somebody that didn't necessarily play a lot at the beginning of the season. I think Johnson's got a bigger role. Gore, Tally as well. Uh, do you feel as though that the squad that you're going to take the floor with is, I know we've got one more game left in the regular season, but uh, going into section and regional play is going to be a lot deeper than the one you started the year with? Yeah, definitely. It's just experience. Um, you talked about Chet Gore as a freshman. Um, just getting um, some experience for him throughout the year. He's been balancing injuries as well. So he's been on and off the court as far as in practice and in games. So just getting him acclimated to everything as a freshman, to varsity basketball, has been a, a challenge. But overall, he's coming coming around at the right time. And then Isaiah, Fritz, and Moses Talley, they didn't play last year. They didn't play basketball last year. So 
Um, they've never played varsity basketball until this year. So just getting them acclimated, they're almost like a freshman when it comes to varsity basketball, even though they played JV for two years, but taking a year off has been some time for them to kind of get, um, you know, comfortable not just playing out on the court, but also um, learning things that we're doing um, defensively and offensively. So you kind of seeing them kind of get comfortable now. And I think those three will be a lot better um, down the stretch for us. Now, Coach, you've already clinched the bye in your section, so you'll get a little bit of time to relax and kind of prep up for whoever you'll be facing in that matchup, whether that be the winner of Musselman or Washington. Tell me, is there a little bit of a different game plan between those two teams with the Appleman? They've been one of the hottest teams of the EPAC of the second of the second half of the season. You were able to beat them this past Friday and stifle what was a seven-game win streak for Musselman. And then you got a Washington team. They're winless in the EPAC, but they arguably have one of the most standout freshmen we've seen in a long time in Christopher Dolman. How different is the game plan would that be between a team like Musselman and a team like Washington? Yeah, I think Washington's playing a lot better. I mean, I know the record is not saying that, but they're playing a lot better. I mean, they've played some tough teams uh, really close in the last couple weeks. So, um, you know, looking at Christopher, he's uh, he's always been a really good basketball player uh, throughout the middle school ranks. So just kind of preparing for him is a little different because he had the ball in his hands a lot for them. Um, as for Musselman, you know, they don't really have a primary ball handler. Um, they use Troy Wilson a lot to handle the basketball um, and a couple other guys. So it's kind of a different different team, different styles. Um, so preparing for those teams are totally different. Well, Coach, I, I wanted to ask you, since somebody that's been up close and personal, obviously we've only been familiar with the EPAC over the last couple of seasons in terms of how crazy it's been uh, with different teams kind of towards the top. You know, we talked about teams kind of faltering early. Spring Mills, the team to beat for a while, knocked off the pedestal, but they're starting to turn things around. I know they've lost some key pieces. Hedgesville's lost some key pieces. Musselman's gotten a piece back and kind of turned things around. Uh, and Martinsburg, I, I don't think anybody's buying that it's a down year for Martinsburg because they're still uh, a team that can beat anybody on any, any given night. I mean, it sounds like it's been a, a wild conference to be a part of this year, and it's looked like that as well. And I kind of wanted to get your opinions as to the overall talent from top to bottom in the conference as opposed to years past and your experience here in the Panhandle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been tough. Um, it's kind of been a dominate, dominance between uh, Martinsburg, Hedgesville, and Musselman um, in years past. But the last, you know, three or four years, um, I know, especially last year, I kind of think it was the same way. I think we just kind of undefeated season kind of overshadowed that because I don't know if anybody expected Musselman to get down there last year, um, and they end up coming out of coming out on, on top on the road last year. So those um, those uh, th- those games and teams, everybody's going to be pretty much evenly matched. Um, and, and familiarity is probably the key that I would say. Uh, when it gets outside the area, it kind of gets different. But inside this area, everybody knows, especially from the coach's standpoint, that you know every game is going to be a battle. Um, it doesn't matter what your record is. Um, it doesn't matter how you're trending. If you're trending down or you're trending up, it doesn't really matter. Like last year, we went to overtime with Musselman. Um, and we just came off a 112-point game the day before St. James. I guess a team we never played before, we didn't know anything about. Um, they didn't know anything about us, but then the next day we almost, you know, we go to overtime muscle and squeak a win out. So this kind of tells you like how different the basketball is um, in the EPAC with the familiarity of the coaches and the teams and the players. So every game's kind of going to be a battle. And, you know, and I don't think anybody's super, super talented where on any given night, um, I think anybody can get beat. 
Yeah, we're speaking with Jefferson Boys basketball coach Richard Lewis. Before we let you go, Coach, how's the team feeling going into the end of the season? How's the how's the mental for everybody in the locker room? Good, good. I mean, Friday night definitely helps. Um, I think we came out in a in hostile environment, um, played one of our best games of the year, and I think uh, the kids are really excited about that win. They they heard a lot, you know, a lot going into that game about Muscleman seven game win streak, um, and to put a performance on like that, I think you know, hats off to them. Um, for coming out, you know, prepared um, and ready to go that night. Um, but, you know, you can't – that game's in the past. Um, we got a lot of basketball ahead of us, um, a lot of crucial basketball games ahead of us. So tomorrow kind of starts that, I think, um, because the EPAC, you know, championship, uh, we kind of got the, the best record. We want to kind of solidify that with the win tomorrow night. I think that will kind of solidify that we deserve the EPAC, not just because, you know, teams beat each other. We want to kind of – Take that, take that crowd by winning tomorrow night. So that's the motivation for tomorrow. And then next next Friday at home against Musselman or Washington, uh, we know that's a crucial game because we want to host the regional championship game at Jefferson to go to state. So um, all next three games are really, really crucial. Um, try to build momentum going to Charleston. Well, Coach Lewis, thank you for joining us this morning. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, that's Jefferson head basketball coach Richard Lewis joining Panhandle Sports Live. A lot of good things there from Coach. And uh, I mean, do you, you think they got a pretty good run in them to Charleston? You know, it's a tough question, but to get to Charleston, I think so. Yeah, I think they're the the the, the odds-on favorite. Uh, they've proven that they can beat everybody. You know, I th- it was my apologies not bringing more of that up tomorrow. They are uh, yesterday, I should say. They go into Musselman's, the hottest team in the Panhandle right now, and everybody's wondering how much magic they have, and they beat them by twenty. Right. You know, that's a statement win to prove that they're still the top dog. But then the question becomes: They lose to South Charleston. They lose to GW. They did beat University, although there's no guarantee that University's going to make it. They beat a pretty good Millbrook team in Virginia that's going to go probably have a chance to make a postseason run, and they get stomped by Morgantown, who's the favorite to win it all this year. So can they win the big game outside of the conference? You know, last year when you look at the Jefferson team, they went undefeated all the way down to Charleston. They make it down to the state semifinal game, and then they lay an egg in that one. Everybody thought that, you know, that team had tremendous potential before they lose to Parkersburg South after they beat Cabell Midland. And people forget that Cabell Midland game was a one-point game. So they struggled even then, being one of the top seeds in the class. I believe they were a two uh, from getting out of the first round. Can they win games outside the EPAC? It comes down to shooting for them. I know that's an obvious thing to say, but they're so built and and relying on the fact that they need Gladney, they need Jenkins, they need Shively, both the Shivelys and Johnson to hit threes for them that they could beat anybody in the state if they have their night. The way they played against Musselman, it sounds like they could have beaten just about anybody, but a couple of things need to go their way for them to pull off one or two or potentially the big one down in Charleston. Yeah, and I think that's what it boils down to. If Jefferson can hit shots, they're going to have a run in them. I think confidently we can say I think the Cougars will be making – into the state tournament unless some crazy scenarios happen and Musselman gets hot once again, maybe knocks him off. But you look at the score tallies of this season. They've dominated the Appleman both times they played. Back to the first game on the 10th of January, 86-54, to and then the Friday game, 82-51. to That's, That seems like they've got their number on that one. And in Washington, they've had their own struggles as well. They've beaten the Patriots by as much as 40. So we can, I think we can confidently say there's a really good chance we're going to see this Jefferson team in Charleston. Now, what they do outside of that is going to be the big key because we've we've seen the totals and we've seen this narrative before about well, can Eastern Panhandle teams win on the big stage? 
And if they have their night, yes, I think they are going to be able to do that. I've been really impressed with Jefferson in the second half of the season. They've been rallying when you've seen teams go up and down. Like we've mentioned, Spring Mill has been going up and down. Hedgesville going up and down. Musselman taking a rocket shot up here in the second half of the season, but that was faltered big time on Friday. And you see Jefferson has been, outside of that 4-3 and three start to their season, they've been that consistent team. And that's probably the team that a lot of people would say, okay, this is the team that has the best shot to go the furthest in the state tournament. And I think I can confidently say that right now because they've been the most consistent team out of all of them in the EPAC. Right, we've got about two minutes, three minutes till we have to get to our last break. I'll ask you this question. Do we have a state champion in girls or boys basketball in the Panhandle? Boys, probably not. And it's nothing against Jefferson. It's just that Dave Tallman's built a juggernaut there in Morgantown. Uh, I want that to be the championship game because that has a potential to be 90 have to 85. they played already? They have. They got yeah. dominated. It was yeah. a 30-point win yeah. um, from Morgantown. That game could be crazy. Girls, I like a lot of what Spring Mills so is bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. I think Morgantown and Wheeling Park present some unique cha- uh, challenges inside for them. And for whatever reason, over the last two weeks, having not caught up with the rest of the state and girls hoops as much as I'd like, people keep saying that they think Spring Valley is going to go on this crazy run. So I know that size might be an issue for the Cardinals, but offensively, you're not going to find a better team. And transition, you're not going to find a better team. And defending on the perimeter, you're not going to find a better team. So to answer that question, I would be shocked if Spring Mills wasn't there uh, in the semifinals. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were playing for a state championship game. Uh, but to win one, I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'd say on the boys' side, I think right now when you look at it, it's really Morgantown and everybody else. And when I've seen it, they've just been so dominant this year. They've been fantastic. And then you got a tether below them. you got a team like a Parkersburg South or a GW that have been fantastic this season as well. But right now, it's really – I think it's Morgantown is right now the runaway favorite on the men's side and in the, in the quad A. And then you've got on the girls' side, I'll throw my hat into the bucket right now and say I think Spring Mills is playing for the state championship. I think they really are on the girls' side. I think they're fantastic. They've been well put together. Their confidence is at a high level. They've been coached to a very high level this season. And I think the mystery of what Spring Mills brings, because a lot of those teams haven't seen what the Cardinals have been able to do, I think that's what's going to cause a problem. And whether that's Wheeling Park, whether that's Spring Valley, Cabell Midland, whoever else, it'll be on that other side. It also depends how that bracket falls. I do think Spring Mills will make it to the state championship. That Spring Mills girls team is just so athletic. I mean, the way that they can get up and down the court and, I mean, completely break you with the press is, I think it'll be tough for the rest of the state to to uh, beat, but I guess we'll find out. Let us know what you think. Text us, 304-263-4321. That's the text line, 304-263-4321. Do we have a state champion in basketball in either girls or boys basketball here in the Panhandle? Let us know, 304-263-4321. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchentobath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Winter alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it never fails. Never failed once. And the hot streak continues for Parker's picks. Yet again, another clean slate for yesterday's picks lock of the day mountaineers beat oklahoma state they dominate oklahoma state 85 to 67 kansas ends up beating tcu in a good game last night 63 to 58 
And the Bruins end up knocking off the Ottawa Senators 3-1 to in their matchup. Now for today, it's a really good college basketball slate tonight, guys. Really great games. I have a whole bunch of games on my radar I'm looking at. Some of these include, well, these aren't included in my picks, but a lot of fun matchups if you want to take a look at. Marquette and Creighton is going to be a really fun matchup. Creighton's won line at 9 out of their last 10. They're really hot. Marquette's a top 10 team in the nation. Another matchup, too, is going to be Missouri and Mississippi State. That's a fun one between two SEC teams. But I'm going to turn to today's lock of the day. It is going to be Xavier. I think they win against Villanova. That is today's lock of the day. Xavier, a really good team. It's a team the Mountaineers have seen earlier this season. And I think they're going to be poised to try and get at least a top five to six seed in the NCAA tournament with a good win over a struggling Villanova team. I got Xavier beating Villanova as today's lock of the day. Really fun matchup out of the SEC today. Tennessee and Texas A&M. The Aggies are sneakily one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now, and no one is talking about them. They're really good. They're 12-2 and in SEC play. They're the number two team behind number one ranked overall in Alabama. It's a tough place to play. They're playing at home against Tennessee. It's it's going to be a tough environment. I'm picking the Volunteers to win. Ooh. I'm picking Tennessee. They are plus 100 right now against Texas A&M. I think the Vols pull this one out. I think they kick the winning streak for Texas A&M. It'll be a good win, but I think Tennessee pulls it out against Texas A&M. I'm picking the underdog in this one. Also for today, really good matchup out of the MAC. It's Toledo and Akron. I was reading some articles and saying this could be potentially for a 12 to 13 seed in the NCAA tournament, and these are two pretty good teams out of the mid-majors. I'm going with the Rockets. Toledo has won 11 straight games. They are at home against Akron. I believe the line is about 5.5 favoring Toledo. Actually, no, I misspoke. That was the 5.5 line for Missouri. It's 3.5. 3.5 line right now between Akron and Toledo favoring Toledo. Going with the Rockets. So, lack of the day if you missed it. Xavier over Villanova. Tennessee pulling off the upset against Texas A&M. And Toledo beats Akron tonight. Got any um, NFL franchise thing it takes for oh today. yeah franchise tags uh i think i think lamar mostly everybody gets tagged that we're looking at right now i think i think the raiders i don't know i don't know if they're gonna tag jacobs or not they'll that's, sign him. that's they'll, they'll sign him or he'll walk or they'll try to sign and trade him he's not gonna play the franchise tag he said yeah. he wouldn't the question is the 45 million dollar price tag that's been associated with daniel jones over the last couple <laughs> of days has just been Ugh. Or yeah. everybody's saying Derek Carr to New York to the Jets, like is a guarantee at this point. I don't yeah, know. I think it comes or what about New Orleans? Or what about Orleans. people saying that uh, Derek Carr to the Jets makes them a championship contender immediately? Pump the brakes. Hold up. That, what do you mean by championship? Do you mean AFC championship? Then yes. You take it where you, you want. You it. mean the Super Bowl? I don't even take know it where that. you want it. Yeah, I mean, you you can make the argument that. If you were to rank the most talented rosters with Derek Carr going into the Jets, because the Jets, the the million dollar question for the Jets is how good is Brees Hall going to be when he comes back next year? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get the six game stretch of Brees Hall that we saw, you know, you can resurrect the magic that Carr had with Jacobs over the last two years, which I know they were only a six win team, but that was not the fault of Josh Jacobs. Uh, yeah, I, I I see that you've got the best young corner in the NFL and a budding defense. They've still got holdover draft capital. Uh, questions of the offensive line, really good weapons that we haven't seen unlocked to their full potential because it was Mike White, Joe Flacco, and Zach Wilson throw into them and a really depth-filled backfield. So, I mean, what I'm sure you'll say, and you'd be correct, is they might not be the best team in their division. Well, they probably aren't. 
because no. of Josh Allen. Uh, but they're better than any team talent-wise, and I know it includes the Super Bowl champions in the AFC West. I think they're a better team uh, talent-wise than any team in the AFC North. Uh, yeah, I would say that you can make the argument that they're the second-best team in the AFC talent-wise. I don't know if I want to go there yet, but you could say that behind Buffalo, and depending on what Kansas City does in the offseason, that the Jets could be right there. I, I mean, it's tough. I think Cincinnati's still a really talented team the way they piece it together. But if, if you throw Derek Carr on the Jets, I think they're a playoff team right now. I, I can believe that. I well, think the Jets were almost a playoff team without with a that. quarterback. I think, I think they win at least two more games if they got Derek Carr at quarterback as opposed to the, the three-headed monster of Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco out there. But it's it's a great young team. You mentioned before you got Sauce Garner, Garrett Wilson. Can Brees Hall get back to health with that torn ACL he suffered? You got you still got a guy, Quinnen Williams, who was a top-five pick in the draft what three four years ago he, he was an all pro this season he played fantastic there's as you mentioned there are pieces on the offensive line the tackle spots especially is a big question mark for the Jets right now they're not too sure what they're going to do with Makai Becton George Fant's a free I thought, agent I thought Becton would be such a better player <laughs> <sighs> I mean he can't stay healthy and when he's what like almost 400 pounds yeah. he's like 370 right it's it, a lot of question marks. I think for the running backs, I could see Saquon getting a tag possibly and then doing it by year basis type of thing. But with the news of Daniel Jones having wanting that high dollar figure, I could see a franchise tag on Jones and maybe seeing if he can replicate what he did last year to sign to a big deal. I think I strongly believe Lamar is not going to get out of Baltimore no matter what happens. Good. I think they're going to get a deal with him eventually. If you, if it's a tag and, and they've they got the cap the space, there's no yeah, they, they got plenty yeah, of money. Yeah, that's not they'll, the they'll get a deal done. That's why it's crazy to me they haven't. I just agree. throwing the money at him yet. It's it's insulting. Yeah, I think so too. That's why I'm I am afraid that the longer it goes on, of course, the longer or the more of a chance it is for him to leave because it'd be like, why haven't you done it yet? But so tell, crazy tell, take for you if if a scenario were to happen, you got twenty seconds. This crazy take. If Daniel Jones doesn't end up on the Giants, I think there's a strong chance he could end up on the Titans. I think that fits really well. Oh, running man. scheme, good running back. If he's not a Giant, he's a Titan. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Guess we'll find out, huh? Well, who knows? We'll find <laughs> out. Well, if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. We didn't get a chance to really go over it, Luke, but West Virginia had a big win over er, last night. Needed it. Exercise some demons. Didn't clinch an NCAA tournament spot, but still great to see them get the confidence back. Absolutely. Well, if you missed any show, like I said, listen back to it a little bit later on. Got high school sectional girls basketball tonight uh, at 7 o'clock on WEPM. We got uh, Shepherd basketball tomorrow, all kinds of stuff. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.